I hope you picked up a a copy of the uh, sermon notes as you were coming in. Uh, We continue our series this morning on keys uh, to spiritual growth as we come uh, today to the eighth key, which is uh, how to conquer temptation, how to conquer uh, temptation. Uh, Listen to this letter and see if you can identify with the uh, struggle of the writer. Dear Pastor, I need some help. Every morning, I start out with the best intentions to change my ways, and I think today is going to be different, but it never is. Somehow, some way. I always fall back into the same old ways of relating to people and my old bad habits. Sometimes I feel like there's a tug of war going on inside of me. I really want to do what's best, but I always end up disappointing myself and God. I've tried everything. Nothing seems to work. Why do I keep making the same mistakes? Why am I so resistant to change? Why do I do the things I know are bad for me? I'm very discouraged, and I need help getting unstuck. Now, have you ever felt that way? I'll be the first to confess I have. Uh, The truth is... Having the best intentions to change is not enough to produce change. If it were, we would all be very, very different people uh, right now. Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, expressed his own struggle with temptation in that very first verse in your sermon notes, Romans 7, verse 15. He wrote, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Again, have you ever experienced that frustrations? Well, if you have, congratulations. Welcome to the human race. Uh, That is the reality for all of us that we struggle with. Now, the letter that I read closed with the statement, I'm very discouraged and I need help getting unstuck. Well, are you discouraged this morning because you just can't seem to conquer specific temptations? Are you going around and around in that frustrating cycle of good intentions, failure, guilt? Do you need help getting unstuck? Well, if you do, I really believe you've come to the right place this morning because the Bible reveals the pathway to freedom. So I want us to look at the truth and grace that God has provided to get us unstuck and conquer temptation. Now, before we embark out on these five points, I won't finish the message today. This will be a two-parter. I'm hoping to get through at least the first two points, maybe the third point, then we'll save the rest Uh, for next Sunday. But I want you to know, uh, this truth is very personal to me. Uh, I came to know Christ September 20th, 1970, which means uh, I was a teenager 
through those various uh, tumultuous uh, 60s. So, and, uh, and if you know anything about the 60s, they were rough years, and they were rough for me. Uh, I got involved in the hard rock culture and everything that was associated with that, the drinking, the drugs, the immorality, pornography. Uh, there was an underlying spirit uh, that just invaded of, of uh, just uh, resistance to authority, uh, rebellion. I mean, that was Andy Merritt. And many of those areas had get, become strongholds in my life. Uh, th there, were, there were addictions uh, that were there prior to coming to know Jesus. Now, when I came to know Christ, September 20th, praise God, uh, Jesus saved me from the penalty of my sin and forgave me. And praise God, He uh, broke the power of sin in my life. But that didn't mean there still were not temptations. And as you can imagine, with that background that I had, there was horrendous battles. There was a great war and struggle in my soul uh, to uh, break from those things and walk in newness of life and walk in righteousness. And it's the truths that I'm going to share with you the next couple of weeks that brought me to a place of freedom uh, to really know God's grace and power at work in my life, setting me free. And this is, that first point is where it all begins. You have to gain an understanding of your temptation. I have to gain an understanding of my temptation. And I'm emphasizing that word, my. This needs to be a very personal thing. Let me also share, as we walk through this, uh, like many of the messages in this series, Keys to Spiritual Growth, this is a worksheet. I am just simply like a professor in front of his class, and I'm giving you the assignment for the next week. As we walk through, the, these are things that you need to do this next week. You need to take the time to sit down, to examine your life, to reflect, and, and actually do what I'm suggesting. And then when we put this together with what we're going to look at next week, I believe some very significant things could happen in your life, and you could get unstuck and know God's freedom. See, each of us is unique. Uh, we each have unique backgrounds, uh, experiences, personalities, temperaments, strengths, and weaknesses. And because of that, there are certain temptations that you are very vulnerable to, which are not necessarily significant temptations in the lives of others and vice versa. I mean, for example... Take uh, my wife Kathy and I, uh, talking about a picture of contrast. I just shared with you my background in coming to know Christ. Well, Kathy came to know Christ as a preschooler, was raised in a Christian home that I have not yet met. Uh, it's, it's equal. Uh, Kathy never struggled with drugs. She never struggled with alcohol, with immorality, with pornography, with rebellion and anarchy, and, and all of those things that had literally captured uh, my life. But she had her own temptations. Uh, being brought up in the family, there was that, the issue of duplicity, you know, on, on sort of being, you know, that temptation of being two-faced where, you know, she's trying to 
please her parents and put on a good face for everyone in the church. But at the same time, she's wanting to fit in uh, at school. She, uh, the issue of popularity. Uh, so, you know, we dealt with different issues. But we all have temptation, right? But it's very, very important for you to gain an understanding of where you are vulnerable. And I guarantee the devil knows just the right temptations to use to get the best of you. The devil is a brilliant strategist. And he is going to attack you when and where you are most vulnerable. Again, in light of all those factors that we just looked at. Therefore, if you're going to conquer temptation, you must anticipate how the devil's going to attack you, those points where you are vulnerable, where you have to carefully watch out for. Look at uh, that next verse in your sermon notes, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. We do not want Satan to win victory, any victory here. And well, we know his methods. If we're going to gain the victory, we need to know his methods. And how do you discover the devil's methods in attacking you? This is what I'm going to suggest. This is what you need to do this next week. This is the first part of the assignment. You need to get you out a piece of paper or use your computer or whatever, and you take the time to literally write down the temptations that you consistently struggle with or defeat you, those areas that you just really seem to be uh, stuck in and need to get unstuck. And then for each of those temptations... For each particular temptation that you struggle with or that seems to so often defeat you, you need to ask the following five questions that you see there in your sermon notes. The first thing that you need to ask is, when am I most tempted in this area? Is there a particular day or days in the week when it seems that I'm more vulnerable to this particular temptation? Or maybe it's a specific time of day. I mean, could it be morning, afternoon, evening, maybe late in the evening after everyone else has gone to bed and you're alone? It, it may be when you find yourself in a specific type of situation that you become vulnerable. Or maybe when you're in a certain frame of mind or emotional mood. See, for each temptation, examine your life. Look for and identify any patterns, any common denominators that reveal when you become most vulnerable to the devil's attacks. The second question, where am I most tempted? Is it at work? Is it at home or school or, or when I go to a particular place? Is it when you go into that convenience store and see the stack of magazines? Is it in front of your computer? You need to know not only when, but where you are when you find yourself most tempted in that particular area that you're examining. Look at the third question. Who is with me when I am most tempted? See, some of you are most tempted when you are alone. But for others, that is not the problem. You are most tempted when you are with a certain person or your buddies and friends or 
classmates or teammates, and you feel the pressure to join them in doing in what you know is wrong. 1 Corinthians 15.35 says, Bad company corrupts what? You know it, good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Some of you, another example, some of you lose your temper uh, to certain people. They just sort of seem to be a trigger for you. It could be a child, it could be a neighbor, it could be a spouse, it could be your boss or a co-worker. So it's important to identify the people who when you are around them, you just seem to become more vulnerable uh, to that particular temptation. Fourth question you need to ask, and again, you need to ask these questions for each type of temptation that you're struggling with. Four, what temporary benefits do I get when I give in? In other words, when I succumb to the temptation, what temporary benefits do I give? See, there's always some benefit in giving in to temptation. Nobody would sin if it involved nothing but pain. But reality is there is pleasure in sin for a short time, and the Bible tells us that. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 25. Enjoying the, what, fleeting pleasures of sin. See, the problem with temptation and sin isn't that it's not fun. The problem is it is fun that does not last. Sin provides temporary satisfaction with long-term consequences. Temporary satisfaction with long-term consequences. Now, th- these, these verses are not in your notes, but listen very carefully, and you, you may want to jot down the reference and uh, reflect on them later. It's James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Temptation comes... From our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now notice, temptation begins where? With our own desires. And let me be quick to add... That can be bad or good desires. See, the devil is more than happy to satisfy your evil desires so that he can get you addicted to sinful habits. But he is just as eager to satisfy your legitimate desires and needs, but in the wrong way or at the wrong time. See, at the heart of all temptation is the compromise of God's truth and the compromise of your faith in God that He will meet your needs in God's way and in God's time. So what does the devil do? James says he uses our desires, both good and bad, to entice us and drag us away. The, the words entice and drag away are fascinating words in the Greek text. Entice was a fisherman's term, literally meaning to catch with bait, to catch with bait. Drag away was a hunter's term, 
meaning to snare in a trap by the use of bait, which draws the animal in. In both cases, the key is the bait. And Satan knows the bait that will appeal to you. He does. But never forget, although the devil's bait is appealing, and although it will offer temporary satisfaction, it only serves to hide the hook of sin and its long-term consequences. And James said, once hooked by the devil, once hooked by sin, it leads to what? Death. And that is what Satan is after, to destroy your life, to destroy your loved ones, to destroy your marriage, your family, your church, to destroy your spiritual growth, to destroy your testimony. That's his goal. That's his objective. So, you need to get brutally honest at this point. And you need to ask, what is the bait that the devil tempts me with? What is the bait that the devil uses to hide the hook, to hide the consequences of sin? Is it the excitement or the pleasure that I feel when I succumb to this temptation? Is it the sense of confidence or security that, that I seem to gain? It is, is it the recognition or the acceptance, the, the applause of others? Is it some advantage that you, you believe you gain over people or maybe in your finances? See, you'll never conquer a temptation that has consistently defeated you until you identify the bait that Satan uses to entice you and to hook you. Now, here's the fifth question. How do I feel? And the key word is that word feel. How do I feel right before I am tempted? I mean, it's very important to honestly evaluate your life and to know your emotional triggers. In other words, are you most vulnerable to temptation when you're tired, when you're stressed out, when you're frustrated or possibly depressed? Are you more vulnerable when you feel lonely, isolated, or, or unloved? Uh, how about when you feel bored? You're just bored. You, you just, there's a discontentment uh, there. Or maybe uh, it's after a, a victory. I mean, something as is, is good has happened. You're sort of on a high. All is going well. And you feel relaxed and, and secure. And that's when you let your guard down. That's when you become most vulnerable to the devil's temptations. So the first step in conquering temptation is you need to gain an understanding of what tempts you. And once you do that, by answering those five questions, and that's your assignment this next week, here's assignment number two. You need to get honest about your vulnerability. I have to get honest about my vulnerability. And let me suggest four ways to get honest about where you are vulnerable. Number one, Accept the fact that some things, I'm talking about for you, this is very personal, there are some things for you that cannot be looked at, that cannot be read or listened to without weakening control. 
And that's going to be different for each one of us. It's going to be a very personal thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, reality is there are certain TV programs, movies, websites, and pictures you cannot look at without playing right into the devil's hands. There are books and magazines that you cannot read without becoming vulnerable to the devil's attacks. There is music that you cannot listen to without being led into the devil's playpen. And let me ask you a question. Do you really think You know, we're talking about spiritual growth in this series. I mean, do you really think you're going to experience spiritual growth when for six days out of the week you make a steady diet on the devil's junk food? And then you come to church on Sunday and have one or maybe two good meals. See, accept the fact that there are just some things that you can, others may, may can look at them, but you can't. Others may can read them, but you can't. Others may can listen, but you can't. Because for you, in light of your background, experiences, temperament, all those factors, for you, it, it just puts you in too vulnerable place. It, it weakens control. Look at the second thing. Avoid tempting situations, places, and people. Avoid Tempting situations, places, and people. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 21, right there. Steer clear of evil in every form. Steer clear of evil in every form. In other words, let me put that in a piffy little way. Don't start a fire you can't put out. Nip it in the bud early. For example, give you an example. I often share with young people concerning moral purity. It's much easier to resist getting into a tempting situation than once in it to resist the full force of temptation. For example, I mean, which is easier? Is it easier to resist the temptation for, to, to get alone in one of their homes when the parents are gone? Is, is it easier to resist the temptation of, of Stepping into the home? Or is it tougher once in the home to resist the full force of the temptation? See what I'm getting at? It'd be easier to resist the temptation of even getting in that situation than once in it to have to resist the full force of the temptation. And bottom line, we all have certain situations. We all have certain people and places we need to avoid because we are literally putting ourselves into vulnerable a position. Now, the, the next verse is not in your notes, but it does provide some good advice, and I'll give you the reference. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. And here's how it reads. Run, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. What great advice. And did you catch the very first word in the verse? I hope you did because I screamed it out a couple of times. Run. Temptation is the one battle 
where it's okay to turn and run, to flee it. Matter of fact, we'll talk about this more next week, but the guy that wrote the letter. Remember how he said, I often feel like inside there's a tug of war? Folks, you don't want to get in a tug of war with the devil. You don't want to get in a tug of war with sin and temptation. You don't win, you're not going to win that tug of war. The only way to win is drop the rope and run the other way. And as we're going to see, put your thoughts somewhere else. It's one of the keys. We talked about that a a few weeks ago when we were talking about repentance. The the importance of bouncing your thoughts off of that which is inappropriate and unholy and bouncing them on that which is. And we'll talk again more about that next week. The third thing you need to ask. Am I willing to pay the consequences of yielding to this temptation? Remember, sin provides temporary satisfaction with long-term consequences. In Galatians 6, verse 7, we read, Do not be deceived. And God is writing this to believers. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. We touched on this again back when we were talking about repentance, but one of the sad affairs in the church in the United States of America is that we have this idea that if God forgives me, all consequences are removed. Somebody please show me that in the Bible. I mean, again, we, we, going back to that message, those messages on repentance, we talked a lot about King David. And his adultery and his committing the murder and then trying to cover up his sin. And we we saw God fully forgave him. I mean, David was able to say, God has wiped my slate clean. He not only said, am I forgiven? He says, I feel forgiven. I mean, this man became happy again in the Lord. He rejoiced. But that same man went to the grave knowing consequences from the sin that he had committed. And as we shared, God used those consequences. The purpose of the consequences was not to punish David. It was not to condemn David. But it was to keep David close to the Lord in light of his vulnerabilities. To build a greater intimacy with God through the pain of those consequences. But I guarantee, folks, if David could go relive that whole thing and got back up on that roof. If he would have considered the consequences that he was going to experience in his family, he would have never invited Bathsheba up to his room. And see, that's what happened. We, we get in a temptation, you got to engage the mind. you got to stop and ask the right questions, and this is one of the most important. Am I willing? Am I really willing to pay the consequences of yielding to this temptation? Look at the fourth thing. Very Very, very important. Admit, I need help. And seek encouragement and accountability from a friend or small group or one of the ministers. Look at James chapter 5 verse 16. You should get into the habit, notice, you should get into the, circle that word, habit, of admitting your sins to each other and praying for each other so that you may be healed. I would add one other reference. One other reference. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one, because together 
If one falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, there's no one to help him. The truth is, here it is, and I learned this a long time ago in my own life, and I would, I would not be here today if it were not understanding this principle and seeking help. There, there are some problems you're never going to conquer on your own, no matter how hard you try. They're just too big, they're too ingrained in your life, and they've become too habitual. Face the obvious fact. Obvious fact. If you could have licked the temptation by yourself, you would have done it a long time ago. We desperately, 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 desperately need one another. And that is why becoming a Christian is not just about believing truth about Christ. It is that. And that is at the heart of it. But it is also about belonging to a family of believers, of brothers and sisters, who will love me unconditionally, who will encourage me, who will hold me accountable. And let me give you some good, sound pastoral advice. If you cannot talk about a problem in your life, it is already out of control. And I will not back up from that statement. If there's, something, if there's a problem, if there's, a, if there's an area of sin in your life that you cannot talk about, it's already out of control. But the moment you admit it, and you begin to talk about it with someone, that will be the moment that you begin to gain control over it. And, and let me tell you the devil's trick. He will use fear to motivate you to hide your struggle and keep it in the dark. Because he knows as long as you keep it in the dark, as long as you hide it, he has you exactly where he wants you. The last thing the devil wants you to do is to bring your dark secret out into the light. So he tells you, oh, your sin is unique. No one will understand. He whispers in your ear, what would people think? Listen, beloved, stop listening to the devil's lies. Your sin is not unique. The Bible says no temptation, no temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. I've been at Edgewood for 40 years. You name any temptation. I'm talking about any temptation. You name any problem, and I mean anything, and I guarantee there are others in this congregation struggling with the same thing. And I'm not suggesting, put some balance, I'm not suggesting that you have to broadcast your struggles to everyone. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I am saying, very powerfully, is you need at least one person. At least one person in your life you can share your heart with. At least one person that you know will encourage you and a person strong enough to provide accountability in the areas where you struggle most. And by the way, that's why this new men's ministry is so important for you guys. 
I mean, the whole purpose of this men's ministry that we're developing, where, where we're just getting the men in small groups, they're just going to meet once a week. The whole purpose is this very thing right here. Where are we struggling? To encourage one another, hold one another accountable. And you ladies have the same opportunity through the Titus 2 ministry. And if you're, not, if you're a lady and you're not yet plugged into one of those small groups, contact the church office. Men, contact the church office. Or if you see these little blue cards in the pews or uh, there's some out in the information desk, we just need you to fill that out. It'll take you probably 30, 45 seconds to fill that out, and we'll get you involved. That, that's going to be initiated in May for the, for, the, for the men. So we need to stop right there. I was hoping to get that uh, third one done, guard the condition of my heart. i tell you what you can do, and this will help. You see, you see in your notes, guard the condition of your heart. You see that little test? Please take that test before you come next week. And that will immensely help us uh, in uh, going to the next two points. So uh, it's pretty, pretty obvious. Take the first one, example. Uh, physically exhausted over against energetic in shape. So if, you, if you're saying I'm totally physically exhausted, that would be a big, fat what? Zero. If you're saying, I'm very energetic, I'm in shape, all the way, it'd be a four. So if for each area you grade yourself, and then you just total up the points and you put the total. And then next week we'll talk about how to read this test and how it can be an aid to help us. So what have we looked at today? We're looking at conquering temptation, the importance of gaining an understanding of my temptation, that I need to get honest, brutally honest about my vulnerabilities and, and accept that reality, and then... We're going to look next week at the importance of guarding, or we'll begin next week regarding the condition of my heart, and then move through those next two points that uh, I trust God will use to set us free. Father, uh, I trust it's been very practical truth. Uh, Lord, I, I believe the congregation sees there's really little, if any, value in this unless they actually take this as a homework assignment, and they... Uh, carve out the time uh, needed this next week uh, to sit down and to list those temptations that they struggle with, to ask those five questions, and then to really examine and get honest about their own vulnerabilities, and, and then take that test uh, that helps us to discern the condition of our hearts. And so, Lord, we, we desperately need you. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge apart from you, we cannot... Uh, do anything. But thank you that, you, again, you've not only delivered us from the penalty of sin, but the very power of sin. You've broken its power. And so, Lord, give us insight to avail ourselves of that power that we might get unstuck and that we would know uh, to con how to conquer temptation, leaning on you. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. As we uh, extend the invitation, uh, again, trust for you believers, uh, my challenge would be, would you commit that this next week, I'm going to do the homework assignment that Brother Andy just gave me. Because again, as I just prayed, what I just shared means absolutely nothing. I might as well not have shared it unless you go out of here and you actually complete that assignment. Because that was the purpose of what, what I shared, to prepare us for what we're going to look at next week. Because it all is going to blend and come, come together. So that would be my challenge to you believers that are here. Um, if you've been visiting, uh, looking for a church home, and God is 
uh, leading you to unite with this church family. We'd love to have you. I'd love to provide to, for you to belong here to where you'd find encouragement and, and yes, loving accountability as well. So you come forward and, and acknowledge that. Uh, possibly you're, you're like I was back prior to September of 1970, uh, not knowing Christ uh, in your sin. And of course, uh, we would encourage you to put your faith in Jesus, the one who loved you and came to this earth to die for you, uh, to cancel out your sin debt and to impart to you his life and his righteousness. So we would invite you to make your heart his home and to uh, ask him to forgive you and take control of your life and so that you can begin down this wonderful path that does lead uh, to freedom. Uh, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free. And Jesus is the only pathway to freedom. So please stand as the invitation is extended and I'll be here to greet anyone that has a decision of any nature.